Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 362 Addiction and Substance Abuse with Professor Mark Hunter. I hope you listen and enjoy. Welcome to Unit 3 of Psychology 362, Addiction and Substance Abuse. In this unit, we're going to look at two of the more popular drugs, nicotine and caffeine. Chapter 7 in your textbook relates uh, specifically to nicotine. And really, nicotine occurs only naturally in one place, and that's the tobacco plant. And so, cigars, cigarettes, snuff, chewing tobacco, pipe tobacco, really the forms that you can get nicotine in. Western Europeans discovered tobacco when they saw Native Americans in the New World, in the United States, um, smoking dried tobacco leaves. And um, if you're familiar with how tobacco is made and um, it's taken and it's, it's uh, stored in a, in a location to dehydrate, and so it's actually the dried leaves that are used to create uh, cigarettes, cigars, and, and so forth. Until about 1860, tobacco was widely believed to have medicinal properties. And you'll kind of hear this throughout this course is originally drugs that we find are addictive today were originally thought to have medicinal purposes. And um, so it was, uh, but even way back in 1828, chemists realized that there were addictive properties in uh, cigarettes and tobacco. And of course, cigarettes are really the most popular way to use tobacco. So smoking in the United States really was uh, prominent in the 1800s and really up to around 1965. And the reason that is, we can say that date is because in 1964, the Surgeon General started to produce a report about the harmful effects of cigarettes, nicotine, tobacco. And then later on had a message on every pack of cigarettes. It used to be that cigarettes were readily advertised in television and um, in different forms of media. But um, after the mid-60s, that sort of stopped. The use of tobacco in the United States is uh, really varies according to age, gender, racial identity, and, and unemployment status or employment status. So um, usually people who are dealing with poverty have a higher rate of tobacco use. And um, now recently the use of smokeless tobacco and, and vaping is a concern uh, because they, um, especially among adolescents, because a lot of these Products were made without really looking at the chemistry behind them. And so recently they, they found that the dangers of vaping and the addictive properties that it has. So nicotine is a cholinogenic agonist. And it's a, as biphasic, what that means is it's, it's both a stimulant and a depressant. And an agonist means it um, 
actually increases the amount of acetylcholine, which is one of the neurotransmitters. So nicotine can be absorbed transdermally through our skin, through the oral uh, and the nasal packages and the gastrointestinal tract in the lungs. And after inhalation, when you smoke a cigarette or a cigar or vapor or whatever form, it reaches the brain in about seven seconds. And so brain levels thus rise rapidly. And, uh, but then they fall rapidly because the nicotine is quickly dispersed in other areas of the brain. And a lot of times you'll find this with our drugs is the quicker it enters your body and metabolize, maybe the shorter amount of time that um, it, you get the effect of it. So nicotine is primarily metabolized in the liver and it can be um, eliminated through the urine. So functional tolerance to nicotine's effect is acquired Quickly, meaning that you've got to smoke more cigarettes or cigars or whatever to obtain that same effect that you had early on. Um, dispositional tolerance, the, um, our behaviors related to that also seem to develop. And so that's why um, it's common for people to smoke uh, a pack or more cigarettes if they do smoke. Uh, because of necessity to kind of have that quick um, uh, effect of nicotine. So nicotine uh, induces physical dependence where our bodies want nicotine. In 1988, the, the Office of the Surgeon General um, said that nicotine is a physically addicting drug. Now, 1964, Surgeon General said it had um, it could be harmful to your health, but 1998 they finally said it's addictive. So nicotine's uh, effects on the central nervous system and the autonomic nervous system. So um, it tends to have a stimulant effect on the lower doses, but more a depressant effect if you smoke more and have higher levels of nicotine. Um, so even though it's, it's classified as a stimulant, a lot of smokers find that uh, or perceive nicotine to have a calming, relaxing effect. And a lot of times, again, this is more of a perception, psychological perception. Um, one of the struggles that people have in quitting smoking is related to body um, weight. And that, um, you know, that it's kind of, common for someone to quit smoking and to gain weight because they're trying to uh, find that, um, that oral sensation and uh, you know from sugar or whatever it is and so it's a um, uh, so it's always it's sometimes difficult for women to stop smoking because uh, it's typical that they may gain weight after they uh, quit smoking. So the effects of chronic tobacco use is that all these different factors, pharmacological, psychological, environmental, social factors, um, has really, there's a lot of liability, a lot of effect that it has in society because of its high dependence. Um, and so 
why do people continue smoking? It's it's nicotine. It's uh, you know that addictive effect that we have from getting that in our lungs and uh, and the, the feelings that people associate with with smoking. So one of the um, different ways that it, it does affect our health is that it exposes us to car uh, carbon monoxide, uh, tar, and nicotine, and the tobacco smoke itself. Now, there have been efforts to reduce the tar and nicotine levels in cigarettes, and they've been um, marketed as healthier, and um, or light cigarettes, and uh, so, what happens though is people tend to smoke more of these light cigarettes because they they think well i could since they have less tar and nicotine i can smoke more and still be fine but uh, and they tend to inhale them a little deeper in order to try to draw out as much uh, nicotine as possible from the cigarettes there's many diseases associated with cigarette smoking such as heart disease, uh, chronic obstructive lung disease, uh, cancers of various uh, areas. There's a, um, it's over the last three decades, women have actually shown an increase in smoking related diseases. And there's actually some uh, smoking related diseases that are unique to women. Treating cigarettes when you're trying to quit uh, can be a difficult thing. Um, or as it says there at the very bottom, it says smoke, staying, quitting smoking is one thing, staying quit is another. Um, being able to, uh, to finally put cigarettes away. Sometimes it's with nicotine withdrawal programs. You may have seen the patches or the gums that they use where it slowly reduces the amount of nicotine and tries to wean you off of that. Uh, sometimes it is more behavioral, um, psychological therapy to help reduce, uh, helping people cope with stress. A lot of times people will go to cigarettes just as a way of dealing with stress. So both behavioral and medication programs tend to, to work sometimes in isolation, sometimes in combination. The major reason that people relapse and have uh, go back to cigarette smoking is that smokers crave the nicotine long after they stop smoking. They will comment that they just how much they miss it. And uh, so um, there have been nicotine replacement treatments and other pharmaco uh, pharmacotherapies. Um, so these have been used to try to come up with a way for someone to get a similar effect without actually getting nicotine, but um, it's um, it can be a very difficult habit to break. Now we're going to look at chapter eight, which uh, is uh, focusing on caffeine. So caffeine and other drugs related to this area occur in about sixty different species of plants. And caffeine is the world's most popular drug. Um, you know, we've used it since ancient times, and so many of our products that we have readily available have caffeine in them. Um, coffee is still the major source of caffeine, but we know some soft drinks have that. Uh, tea, 
and uh, in recent years, energy drinks have provided uh, really high levels of caffeine for people um, who want that that extra boost. The uh, the total caffeine consumption really doesn't seem to vary across different groups except by age. And so people across all spectrums, different racial groups, ethnic groups, and things, seem to have um, the more a similar amounts of caffeine use. One of the problems is that we, uh, our children, especially children about one to five, have the greatest exposure to caffeine because uh, what they'll do is uh, mom and dad or someone will, will get them a soft drink and it's the same size as the parents were drinking. And so that child is much smaller and the body weight is becoming more and more um, addicted to caffeine because of the increased amount that they're getting in relationship to their body weight. Um, what caffeine tends to do is it blocks the uh, adenosine receptor sites where some drugs stimulate, some block. And um, so it's absorbed in the gastrointestinal tract and its half-life is about two and a half to seven and a half hours. And half-life is where the, you get half the effect of the drug and how long it takes that to, um, and then that half-life continues on until it's pretty much out of your system. So um, caffeine is absorbed mainly in the liver and it can be excreted in the urine, just like nicotine. So it's a, um, when we take too much caffeine, it can really be a, um, a struggle. If you've ever tried to quit caffeine yourself, you know that there's headaches and you may feel jittery or just kind of terrible for a while. And um, so it, um, it's usually best to kind of reduce your amount of caffeine until you're able to, to go throughout your day without it. And um, so if you have acute caffeine use, um, the, um, it can cause preturination, stimulation of the heart and central nervous system, and, um, and so stimulation of gastric acid. A lot of times people will uh, have, take caffeine with nicotine or alcohol or both. And um, so they, they may use them in some combination of that. Um, so for example, excretion of caffeine occurs more and 50% faster in smokers than non-smokers, meaning that if a smoker is drinking a cup of coffee, that caffeine is being eliminated 50% uh, faster than it would be uh, without smoking. Therefore, people feel like I need another cup of coffee or I need another source of caffeine to get that effect. And so that's one of the reasons why people who smoke and drink coffee at the same time tend to do more uh, smoking than they normally would. Acute caffeine to intoxication is called caffeinism. And that
that's most likely to occur if there's a uh, dose of 600 milligrams or higher. And so the higher the dose, the more severe the symptoms. And what that is, is if you've ever had just a, a really intense amount of caffeine um, in your life, you might feel lightheaded, uh, have tremors, feel breathless, headache. If you get over a thousand milligrams of caffeine, uh, it's all the muscle twitching, uh, your flow of thought becomes more rambling, uh, cardio, cardiac arrhythmia, your heart's uh, skipping a beat, and uh, being agitated. So, um, and so there's, there's a problem with actually getting too much caffeine, and, the, and if there's too much in a short amount of time, it actually can lead to death. So that ends our uh, discussion, Unit 3, and I'll see you in Unit 4.